Hi, my name is Randy Longstreet, and this is All The Rage. It's a quick-fire podcast meant to address potentially polarizing issues in today's ever-changing, volatile socio-political climate. Today, I would like to address a tweet that Charlie Kirk posted on December 22, 2018. For those that don't know, Charlie Kirk is an American conservative activist, founder, and executive director of Turning Point USA, which, according to its website, is a national student movement dedicated to identifying, organizing, and empowering young people to promote the principles of free markets and limited government. In Charlie Kirk's tweet, he states, quote, This is why we need a wall. Illegal immigration is a serious threat to our country. 90% of heroin comes across the border. Thousands of kids are sex trafficked. Illegals cost U.S. taxpayers $135 billion a year. We support the shutdown for a wall. End quote. In this podcast, I'd like to examine each of those claims and whether or not a border wall would do anything to alleviate his concerns. So let's start with the first one. 90% of heroin comes across the border. Now, this claim isn't necessarily wrong. It's more misleading. According to Willem Brownfield, the Assistant Secretary of International Narcotics and Law Enforcement Affairs, quote, my estimate is that between 90 and 94 percent of all heroin consumed in the United States comes from Mexico. That sounds pretty scary, right? Sounds like a definite need to build a wall and shut down the government if the wall doesn't get built. Well, not really. According to the DEA's 2018 National Drug Threat Assessment Report, And again, I'm pulling the exact quote from the PDF, which will also be linked in the script made available to read in the description. The SWB, Southwest Border, remains the primary entry point for heroin into the United States. Most of the heroin seized by the CBP occurs along the U.S.-Mexico border near San Diego, California. In 2017, approximately 1,073 kilograms of heroin were seized in the San Diego corridor, a 59% increase over the total seized in 2016. A small percentage of all heroin seized by CBP along the land border was between ports of entry, POEs. The CBP San Diego sector reported the greatest amount of heroin seized of all non-POE land border seizures, followed by the Tucson sector. Mexican TCOs control the movement of heroin that enters the United States across the SWB until it reaches its destination in cities all over the United States. The majority of the flow is through POVs entering the United States at legal ports of entry, followed by tractor trailers, where the heroin is commingled with legal goods. Body carriers represent a smaller percentage of heroin movement across the SWB, and they typically smuggle amounts ranging from 3 to 6 pounds taped to their torso or in shoes or backpacks. A very small percentage of the heroin seized by law enforcement enters through the northern border between the United States and Canada. Heroin is also seized on the ferry from the Dominican Republic to Puerto Rico. So when Charlie Kirk states that, quote, 90% of all heroin comes across the border, end quote, as a means to justify spending $5 billion on a border wall, he's actually being either wholly ignorant, wherein he didn't bother to research his claim, which is also a claim made by Donald Trump as well, who we all know is the beacon of calm rationality in academia, or he's being intentionally deceitful or obtuse by withholding context and facts pertinent to his claim so as to gaslight or create the illusion that heroin is being smuggled in vast quantities into the United States via non-ports of entry. It's an intellectually dishonest argument. So, in light of all that, it's fairly nonsensical to suggest that a border wall would do anything to these numbers on a large scale. Maybe they could cut down on the few traffickers that tape a few pounds of heroin to their bodies as they come through non-ports of entry, but that doesn't justify the initial investment of $5 billion to a border wall, nor the money needed to maintain it. Moving on. The second point that Charlie makes here, 
quote, thousands of kids are sex trafficked, end quote. Now, based on the research I was able to conduct at various news outlets, I wasn't really able to find a hard quote or source to his claim. That doesn't mean that I'm denying it necessarily, it just means I can't verify it. However, based on an article written by Holly Ann of CNN on July of 2017, it provided me with a few numbers that I could use to extrapolate data and make fairly safe assertions from. Now, this article is going to be linked in the script in the description as well. But in this article, there are two numbers that I want to examine. The number of families apprehended at the border and the number of children apprehended at the border. The number of families was 63,411. The number of children was 33,036. And in addition to that, the article continues to state that many of these families and migrants will pay smugglers to take them across the U.S.-Mexico border and will not become victims of human trafficking. So it also means that not all human trafficking victims come from smugglers. That being said, however, it is safe to say that there is a fair number of immigrants, many of whom are children, that will become victims of human trafficking. So as far as I can surmise, Charlie's statement isn't necessarily false, it just doesn't have a source to it. Now, according to the U.S. Department of State Examination of Human Trafficking in Countries Worldwide, I can pull the following information. And bear with me here, this is going to be a lot. Quote, the United States is a source, transit, and destination country for men, women, and children subjected to trafficking in persons, specifically forced labor, debt bondage, and forced prostitution. Trafficking occurs primarily for labor and most commonly in domestic servitude, agriculture, manufacturing, janitorial services, hotel services, construction, health and elder care, hair and nail salons, and strip club dancing. Vulnerabilities remain even for legally documented temporary workers who typically fill labor needs in the hospitality, landscaping, construction, food service, and agricultural industries. In some human trafficking cases, workers were victims of fraudulent recruitment practices and have incurred large debts for promised employment in the United States, which makes them susceptible to debt bondage and involuntary servitude. Trafficking cases also involve passport confiscation, non-payment or limited payment of wages, restriction of movement, isolation from the community, and physical and sexual abuse as a means of keeping victims in compelled service. These are cases of domestic workers, or I'm sorry, there are cases of domestic workers, foreigners on A3 and G5 visas being subjected to trafficking-related abuses by diplomats posted to the United States. Combined federal and state human trafficking information indicates that more investigations and prosecutions have taken place for sex trafficking offenses than for labor trafficking offenses, but law enforcement identified a comparatively higher number of labor trafficking victims as such cases often involve more victims. More U.S. citizens, both adult and children, are found in sex trafficking than labor trafficking. U.S. child, US citizen child victims are often runaway and homeless youth. More foreign victims are found in labor trafficking than sex trafficking, some of whom have entered the country under work or student-based visa programs. Primary countries of origin for foreign victims certified by the U.S. government were Thailand, Mexico, Philippines, Haiti, India, Guatemala, and the Dominican Republic. 82% of those foreign adult victims and 56% of foreign child trafficking victims were labor trafficking victims. End quote. But what can we surmise from that paragraph? There's a few key points in relation to Charlie Cook's assertion that child sex trafficking across the southern border warrants a $5 billion wall. The first being that it appears that within U.S. trafficking, it's more likely to lead to forced labor to the manipulation of wage compensation, debt bondage, visa manipulation, documentation, compensation, and that, according to the State Department, more U.S. citizens, both adult and children, are found in sex trafficking than labor trafficking. And they're usually runaways or homeless youth. Does this mean that child sex trafficking across the southern border should be ignored? No, not at all. I would say that his point, while valid on its own, doesn't necessarily add merit to the demand for a border wall or subsequent shutting down of the government in order to obtain it. 
I would contend, however, that an increase in technology and manpower would be more effective tools in dismantling human trafficking rings than a border wall, and possibly some kind of joint operation between the United States government and the Mexican government to infiltrate and take down drug cartels. Those are the biggest players in human trafficking on the Mexican side. That was a bit heavy, and we're almost done, I promise. Charlie Kirk's final point is that, quote, Illegals cost U.S. taxpayers $135 billion a year. Now, with all of Charlie's points on this tweet, he opted to not include any sources to them, so I had to dig up some on my own. I managed to find his $135 billion sum on the Immigration Reform Law Institute's website. On that website, they cite a study that was performed by FAIR, the Federation for American Immigration Reform. I've included a link to that study below. Before we continue, I do need to add two caveats to this. One, I cannot say with any certainty that this is where Charlie Kirk got his numbers from. However, his numbers and overall rhetoric in regards to immigration runs parallel with what's espoused here. And two, it is worth noting that FAIR, according to the SPLC, the Southern Poverty Law Center, is described as such, quote, the Federation for American Immigration Reform, FAIR, is a group with one mission to severely limit immigration into the United States. Although FAIR maintains a veneer of legitimacy that has allowed its principles to testify in Congress and lobby the federal government, this veneer hides much ugliness, end quote. And then they go on to mention FAIR's leaders, ties to white nationalists, and proponents of eugenics. I've linked that below in the script to this as well. So if this is Charlie's source, well, you can take that with a grain of salt. But also, you kind of have to call the question the numbers when they coincide with those of white supremacists and people that espouse freaking eugenics. But I digress. Now, with that being said, here's how FAIR describes the cost of illegal immigrants. The report, The Fiscal Burden of Illegal Immigration on United States Taxpayers, examines the cost of illegal immigration through a detailed analysis of federal, state, and local programs that are available to the nation's illegal immigrant population, the U.S.-born children, and access via fraud. The study tallies the impact on education, medi medical, justice enforcement, welfare, and other government programs. The report notes that $116 billion cost of illegal immigration falls on state and local taxpayers disproportionately, by a ratio of roughly 2 to 1, with state and local expenditures totaling 88.9% or $88.9 billion and federal expenditures totaling $45.8 billion, with only approximately $19 billion recouped in taxes. The staggering cost of illegal immigrants and their children outweigh the taxes paid to federal and state governments by a ratio of roughly 7 to 1, with costs of nearly $135 billion compared to tax revenues at nearly $19 billion. Now, already there's a statement I would like to point out in that first paragraph. They bring up illegal immigrants, U.S.-born children, and their estimate cost of illegal immigrants. Children born on U.S. soil are citizens, so those costs shouldn't be factored into the equation. Furthermore, and I'm going to pull this from a PolitiFact article that examined Donald Trump's claims that illegal immigrants cost taxpayers $250 billion a year, but it also cites the previously mentioned FAIR study with the $135 billion figure. And of course, that will also be linked in the script provided in the description as well. Alex Norwatesh, a name I just fucking butchered, an immigration poli policy analyst at the Libertarian Cato Institute said FAIR's 2017 report was, quote, fatally flawed. It undercounted immigrants' tax revenues, inflated the number of immigrants in the country illegally, counted millions of U.S. citizens as illegally in the United States, like those kids, and used a method of estimating fiscal costs that is rejected by all economists who work on this, on this subject, he said. I'm also going to include a link to an article that does a fairly good job of dismantling FAIR's claims. It's a lot of information, and I'm kind of already running out of time here, but it can be found in this script in the description. If you want, you can have a look at it. I highly recommend it. So clearly, we can see that Charlie Kirk's statement is 
well, wrong. As for the actual cost of illegal immigrants, that issue is nuanced. Pulling information from the Congressional Budget Office's 2007 Impact of Unauthorized Immigrants on the Budget of State and Local Governments report, it says, quote, the amount that state and local governments spend on services for unauthorized immigrants represents a small percentage of the total amount spent by those governments to provide such services to residents in their jurisdictions. The estimates that CBO reviewed measured costs associated with providing services to unauthorized immigrants that range from a few million dollars in states with small unauthorized populations to tens of billions of dollars in California, currently the state with the largest population of unauthorized immigrants. Costs were concentrated in programs that make up a large percentage of total state spending specifically those associated with education, healthcare, and law enforcement. In most of the estimates that CBO examined, however, spending for unauthorized immigrants accounted for less than 5% of total state and local spending for those services. Spending for unauthorized immigrants in certain jurisdictions in California was higher, but still represented less than 10% of total spending for those services. I'm also going to pull a quote from a PolitiFact article that was debunking Donald Trump's claim that illegal immigrants cost taxpayers $300 billion a year. The National Academies found that first-generation immigrants who are born outside of the United States cost governments more money than the native-born population. The costs are largely taken on by state and local governments that educate the immigrants' children. But members of the second generation are among the strongest economic and fiscal contributors in the U.S. population, that report said, with tax contributions greater than their parents and the native-born population. So according to the CBO, illegal immigrants cost a small portion of state and local government budgets, and according to the National Academies, illegal immigration costs are largely taken on by those state and local governments, and second-generation immigrants are often greater financial contributors to the United States economy, more so than non-immigrant children and U.S. residents. With all of that said, how does a wall factor into this? Well, it kind of doesn't. Most immigrants that are here illegally, they're coming through legal ports of entry. And most of those illegal immigrants are here via visa overstays. And so while they may require the U.S. to incur some of the costs up front, their children are a bona fide net positive to the U.S. economy. So Charlie's tweet is a classic case of intentional obfuscation of truth, facts, and context. He has no greater goal than to remain in the pocket of his rich conservative donors. There's a great IBT article that shows some of his donors, and I'm going to link that in the script in the description as well. It's a bit too much to go into at this moment, but it's definitely worth a read. Probably a different like podcast episode. Given all this information, it's no wonder that Charlie habitually fails to cite his sources. And while he's just a face for a nonprofit organization that keeps hiring racists, by the way, but I digress, he's almost a million Twitter followers, and he's interviewed the fucking president. With that big of a platform, he has a goddamn moral obligation to provide his audience with truth, or at the very least, a fucking source to where he gets his often wrong information. So with all this being said, guys, I do want to say thank you for listening. I hope that this was informative. I hope to release a new podcast once a week on varying topics in the political sphere of contemporary America. If you like this, please share it with your friends. Put it on your Facebook walls, on your Twitters, on your Instagrams, all the internet shit, and... This was Randy Longstreet. This was all the rage.